Today on Unexpected Hauntings, what do you do when you hear kids giggle while you're in an orphanage? Another crazy camping trip story that'll send your head spinning and a chilling story of Chesterfield Manor and what happens when they have to give the ultimate sacrifice to save themselves from possession. More coming up for you on today's episode of Unexpected Hauntings. Stay tuned. Listen if you dare, as we unfold stories of unexplained happenings and phenomena. Write in at unexpectedhauntings739 at gmail.com. This is where the unexpected and ghost stories are brought into reality. This is Unexpected Hauntings. That's right, everyone, and welcome back to Unexpected Hauntings. I hope that you guys really enjoyed the five weeks of Halloween. Um, It was a blast. It was just a lot of fun being able to go into all those topics that we went through for through the uh, five weeks of Halloween and it was just fun having some guests on here for sure um, and um, had a lot of fun with that I hope that everyone had a safe and uh, great Halloween um, I know it was very different this year excuse me but um, yeah ne- nevertheless it was a pretty good Halloween um, ate a lot of candy and, um, sorry guys, <laughs> full of air today. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, it was just great. And now the most terrifying thing besides Halloween is the election. Um, <laughs> this election has been a doozy. So today is the 6th, um, so it's November 6th, when I, whenever I was, I'm streaming this. Um, that's today. Uh, the election is still going on, and it's ridiculous. It should only last one day. But now, uh, Trump has asked to do a recount of all the votes, and it's almost over. I just can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> really, I really don't care who wins. <laughs> I just want it to be over. Get that shit over with and done. And I will be happy. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just ready for 2020 to be over. (laughs) Um, Of course, you know, excited about Thanksgiving coming up and Christmas and all that stuff. Um, Xmas. But, um, you know, um, it's just this whole year, I just feel like, you know, we've all just been holding our breath to see what's going to happen next. Really, to be honest. So, <laughs> um, but anyways, um, we are doing another cross trailer for you guys. Um, it's been kind of dry on Audrey, but um, yeah, we uh, there's a really cool podcast that I listen to, and um, they reached out, and it's called um, Destination Mystery. Melissa and Mike are the hosts for this awesome podcast. They go from different places around the world um, to be, really to be um, 
specific, it's the west of the U.S. that they go and explore, and it's just really cool. So I'll play you guys a little bit of a trailer, and go check them out. They're on Apple Podcast, um, I believe Spotify as well. So just type in Destination Mystery, and you'll find these guys. So go follow them, um, give them some love, and they're going to be doing a cross-trailer for Unexpected Hauntings as well, of course. So, yeah, go check these guys out. Here is a snippet of their trailer. Enjoy. Coming to you from the Paranormal Warehouse, Destination Mystery paints the story for paranormal content, abnormal adventures, and the fun behind the investigations. Each week, Mike and Melissa will bring a new adventure that includes going to some of the most remote places in the West. They will tell the story behind the investigation and share with you the evidence they discover. This is not your regular paranormal show. These episodes will bring new content from locations that no one would think to investigate or explore. We will not only tell the spooky story, we will go to the location where the spooky story originated. Fasten your seatbelts as we take you on an adventure that will make you question what's normal and what's paranormal. And there you have it, guys. If you guys want to check them out, go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and type them in. I'm sure they would love all the love and the support that you guys have for Unexpected Hauntings. And they would love for you guys to stop by and give a listen. It's kind of sad that Halloween is over, but that's okay because that's why we have why uh, why we have this podcast, um, and we just do this all year long. Now it used to just be um, just a fall thing, and we would start in the fall um, and just do ghost stories and such. But I have um, finally come to the decision that Unexpected Hauntings will be a year-round podcast, not just for Halloween. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, It's going to be a lot of work, but it's going to be worth it because I I love you guys so much and your support, and everyone just loves ghost stories no matter what time of year it is. So I hope that you guys are happy about that decision. And uh, I know I am because that means, you know, I get to share more stories with you guys and get to know you guys even more. Um, so that's a lot of fun. Um, and so we've got some crazy stories today. Um, I think the first story is going to be over an old orphanage uh, where someone that someone lived in. And um, it says never to respond to children's giggles. Now, I don't know if you want to, if you, if you're like, so just picture this, if you're in an orphanage by yourself at night with your family and there's no little kids near you and you hear a kid's, a kid giggle, hell no, <laughs> um, I would not respond to that at all, um, I would get that looked into and research that area. But yeah, we got that. Um, we've also got a creepy camping trip story. Um, and also, no Halloween is over, but there's a Halloween story about Chesterfield Manor. And I'm going to be looking up Chesterfield Manor probably 
um, either before or after the story. So then that way we can figure out where Chester Chesterfield Manor is. Um, that just sounds really cool, and I'd love to get a picture of that. Um, it'd be really, really cool. So without further ado, we're going to go straight into it about the old orphanage story. So here we go, guys. There is an old run-down path you can take, situated deep within the secluded woodlands of a deserted town you will never know the name of. There are no hospitals, stations, or hotels for miles on end. It will be just you on this path. You can feel the withered cicadas being crushed under your feet and the chilling wind passing secrets in the trees. You can marvel at the bright orange and yellow canopies showering leaves all around you as you make your way through the foliage that has seeped its way into the deteriorating soil. You can see how the god rays illuminate through every natural crevice and can think all is perfect, but like the saying, there is no light without darkness. A darkness stalked these woods in a different form you cannot imagine, and what it can offer you will seem too good to resist. Do not fall for its schemes. It avoids the strong-willed, but easily picks off the gullible. If you follow the same path to the end, you can emerge to a vast hillside. You could stand where I once stood, and in the distance will be the ruins of an old stone-walled orphanage. The structure was not always an orphanage. Its history dated back years within a origin as a monastery. Its conversion sought to help the poor children who had no homes nor families to go to and became a warm refuge to those helpless souls one of which included me. I was very young at the time, and I remember arriving at the orphanage in the back of a, of a coughing truck. It was a miracle how it managed to not break down at the speed it moved. The other boys and I desperately clung on for our lives the entire trip. Something felt out of place as my feet touched the gravel walkway leading up the towering mahogany doors. I did not know if the other boys could feel it too. The silence, however, indicated what we all sensed inside. There was nowhere else to go. It was either this or living on the streets. The doors opened with a creak and an elderly nun approached the vehicle, leaving indents in the gravel with each step. She softly spoke something to the driver who gave us all a smirk before reversing out of the lot. She, the, she then beckoned us to follow, getting closer. The orphanage stood taller than ever. I nervously stayed behind the other kids until we reached the doors. The nun held the door open for us and ushered us in. From the moment I stepped foot through the entrance, it became my home. 
I learned later that the nun's name was Miss Edith, and she was the head coordinator of the other nuns and workers. We had a quick orientation in one of the many, many auditoriums. She explained that the orphanage had many levels and that it was easy to get lost very quickly. Towards the end of the lecture, Miss Edith's tone became very serious and she, she laid out the ground rules. Most of them were fairly straightforward until she asserted the last one. Every day before any of the clocks in this orphanage strike 6 p.m., all of you must be present in this auditorium. Your very lives depend on it. Whispers erupted between the boys along with confused looks. Quiet! This may sound absurd to some of you, but I assure you, it is for your own good. A dangerous power dwells within the forest around the or orphanage and it awakens each day after 6 p.m. when the sun sets. None of you are trained to withstand it yet, therefore until we teach you, you must be here to avoid its effects, hence why there are no windows in this particular room. It is the safest location of the entire orphanage and can accommodate all of you, she continued. This process will take some time to get used to. Everyone must be accounted for 30 minutes to an hour prior to 6 p.m. The doors to this room will be locked afterward, and no one is let in or out. Am I clear? We nodded. Any brief questions or concerns? One of the kids raised his hand. Um, this, what exactly are we hiding from? Giggles boy, voices that giggle, they might sound like children playing or singing at certain times, and they may seem to appear from all directions. They will ask you questions that will in induce you to, to respond. If you even utter one word, it will not end well. I promise to you all that what lurks behind those sounds is a malignant force. You do not want to encounter if you're not prepared properly. How long does it take to prepare? Another boy asked. It depends. Some of you may be born with a gift already. Others need time to build a defense. We will find out as the training begins in the next few weeks. I urge you all once again, obey this rule exactly or face the consequences. We had more inquiries, but she agreed to answer them at a different time. We were assigned to our rooms, and we tried to get settled into our new surroundings. Hours later, at around 5.15, all the boys anxiously piled into the auditorium. The nuns and workers were present as well, and we patiently waited for 6 p.m. to arrive. Once the clock in the space stuck, struck 6, exactly... We braced for what was to come, except nothing extraordinary happened. We ended up waiting in silence for the next two hours, and apart from partial vibrations that shook the walls, slightly nothing else occurred. This process went on for the next week or so, and we began to get used to it little by little. I was beginning to think nothing of it until Herod committed the unexplainable. 
Herod was a bulky, disobedient fool. He loved getting into trouble and especially enjoyed picking on the younger, less fit kids. Unfortunately, since I was one of the smaller kids there, his prime hobby was getting me into trouble. On that fateful day, 40 minutes before 6 p.m., he dragged me down to the basement level and locked me in one of the restrooms as a humorous punishment. Herod, cut it out. It's not my fault Miss Edith caught you stealing in her office. Shut up, dwarf. Always ruining the fun for the rest of us. Herod, you know the rules. We don't get to the auditorium. We're screwed. Let me out of here. You really believe that crap? You know it's fake, right? They pile all the idiots into that room so they can go through our stuff in the quarters. I know what they're trying to do, and I'm not buying their act. Okay, believe whatever the hell you want. Look, I'm sorry. Just get me out of here. He chuckled. Yeah, right. Stay here, dwarf, while I go explore. I begged some more and rattled the door, but he was already gone by then. I spent the next crucial minutes brute-forcing the door with my shoulder, almost dislocating it. Since the entire building was very old and the basement room appeared to not be in use for decades, rust and grime had weakened the hinges. After losing a lot of time, I astoundingly managed to shove my way out. The corridors were the thickest to navigate since the lower level surroundings were unfamiliar to me. Just as I stepped into one of the hallways, I heard the chime of several clocks. It was already 6 p.m. I frantically began to pick up my pace and immediately, immediately spotted Herod at the far end of the same corridor, standing next to one of the windows with his back towards me. His ears were pressed against the glass. Herod! I screamed. He stepped back, stunned, not from my voice, but from the window that began shuddering violently. I bolted as fast as my legs could carry me, yet I was still not able to reach him in time. The window pane at the far end of the hallway shot open, and I could see the instant, stunned expression on Herod's face. Ominous lights flickered around his around his irises, irises. Multiple giggles and voices bounced off the walls of the narrow chamber in unusual childish tones mimicking nursery rhymes. Hi, Herod, giggles. Hello, Herod. Want to play with us? I bit my tongue hard, squinted my eyes, and pushed my way towards him. It felt as if I was battling an invincible current. Stop trying. The giggles continued to respond around me in spontaneous repetitions, and it got tougher the closer I approached Herod. When I finally reached him, he was still in a trance, and his gaze remained unaltered. The giggles were more prevalent than ever. No! No! <laughs> I grabbed his shoulders and attempted to shake him out of the spell, but to no avail as my efforts vainly whittled away. The giggles interrupted with one last question in a soothing lullaby-like tone. Do you want to see your parents? 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 It took every fiber in my being not to respond, 
I, a lifetime of neglect and abandonment sat at the tip of my tongue, along with depression and anger aching to finally explode, to finally receive what I longed for. But do you remember when I differentiated the strong-willed from the gullible? I dug my te teeth into the surface of my tongue. I could taste the blood from the ruptured vessels. I attempted once more to grab Herod, though he unconsciously resisted again, and he was abnormally strong to fight against. I watched in dismay as watery streams trickled down his scarred cheeks and a faint smile tugged across his dazed expression. Only one word escaped his lips. Yes. At this point, this, this is where my recollection is a little foggy. The confines of my mind vaguely recall a flash of tremendous bright light before the windows shattered. I saw myself lying on the floor, heavily disoriented, staring at the spot where Herod once was. He remained in its, in its place, where only Herod's shoes and clothing, drenched in red and spread across in perfect unison, never to witness their owner's return. Many days have passed after that incident, days that have now become countless years. Today, what is left behind is only a pile of rubble, with the answers to my questions buried under it. Nevertheless, time has still revealed one secret. The giggles were not just from any random source. Instead, they were molded from the voices of those who disobeyed the rule and have to face the true consequences. So what a story. Um, wow. Well, I guess that they learned, or he learned his lesson. Uh, sounded like um, like Herod lost his life. <laughs> that is a crazy story. So, oh my gosh. There's like so many questions I want to or so many things I want to talk about, about the story just alone. Um, but first thing is, um, I wonder, so the voices and the giggling, it's from the kids that disobeyed the rule, one rule. And that was to go into the corridor with everyone at six o'clock. And Herod as a disobedient kid, didn't want to do that. So, uh, pay the price. Very interesting. So he turned into one of the gigglers, I guess. I guess that's what you want to call it. <laughs> um, but that is very insane that something that predominant and something that much of a poltergeist can do all of that shit. Um, and that is just deep. It, it really makes you think about orphanages um, during that story because um, I don't know. Let us know what you guys think. 
um, all like always, right into unexpected hauntings seven three nine at gmail dot com. If you guys have a story that's similar to this, or just want to answer or ask some questions for me to answer, um, go ahead and write into us on our email. Uh, we'd love to hear back from you guys from these episodes, um, and uh, we'd just love to help you guys out uh, because. There's a lot of questions probably just from this one story. Um, I could go over this story all day, but uh, got to get to the other stories, of course. Um, but I want to know where this orphanage is. That's what I'm looking for. But uh, I can't find it. I'll have to probably contact the person that wrote this. Um, but that is very wild and it's like the building isn't haunted the orphanage isn't haunted it's the woods that are that's haunted so it makes me wonder if there's um something buried on the property that's haunting the property um it's very very well could be um what that is so very interesting stuff here uh we're gonna go into this story it's a camping trip story um, and it seemed pretty wild. It's, uh, the story of White Hills. So here we go, guys. Get ready. Grab yourself something to drink and sit back and relax as we go over this camping trip story. It was supposed to be a simple camping trip. Typical as typical goes when a bunch of morons find themselves isolated, afraid, and going head to head with something they can't even understand in the middle of the freaking woods. This wasn't even our fault though, at least it wasn't my fault. Johnny's the one that pissed him off. I chose White Hills because we were all familiar with it. It was the closest stretch of woods to city for frick's sake. Sure, sometimes you might might take an off trail and half an hour later suddenly you wonder where that crap you are, but there's only two places to end up, coast or highway. It's literally sandwiched between the two, yet somehow we actually managed to get freaking stuck out here. To be fair, I'm leaving out the part about the mushrooms, Johnny's idea, not mine. He called up my friends, Stephen and Grace, and convinced him that that's what we're doing. Then, I was the one being a downer if I protested. Freaking Johnny. He bought more than we needed, but of course, when he found some, he couldn't resist taking those too. Dude, I don't think these things even grow in circles, Stephen said to Johnny. The two were bent over examining what I guess what was supposed to be wild magic mushrooms. Nah, man, these are definitely Libby's. Look, they even have the little nipple. Cool shit. Johnny, come on. We're almost at our spot, I said to my brother. 
What, not even a little taste? John replied. Come on, you don't need that. You, all, you already have some you bought. And Johnny grabbed a handful of them out of the ground and started munching. Like, seriously, right out of the ground. At least wash them off first. Sorry, did you say something, Kelly? He said with a grin. Stephen and Grace both giggled with immature, like immature little shits. I just rolled my eyes at the ground. Another hiker passed us by. He gave us a look of mild disapproval before continuing on his way. Of course, Stephen joined Johnny for a taste. Johnny, of course, coaxed Grace into trying a few. Then the group's eyes were all on me. I didn't even want to eat the stupid mushrooms, the cheap rum, and fresh pack of darts I had were all I'd need for a good night out. They would let it go, though, so reluctantly, I ate a few of those mushrooms, praying that Johnny hadn't just accidentally poisoned all of us. Of course, because we'd eaten all of the mushrooms, we had to eat the ones my brother bought, too, or it would be we would be wasting them. I tried to refuse, but still wound up nibbling on a small dried shroom. Stephen and Grace were actually my friends, if I if you can believe that. Introducing them to Johnny was a bad idea. We found our spot, a nice open clearing just to the coast, where White Hills ended and suddenly dropped at least half a kilometer straight down into the ocean below. We began setting up our tents, or I set up everyone's tents while my brother and friends spaced out, staring at their tent poles and rolled around in the grass, already, already high as balls. Our two dogs ran around them, occasionally coming in to sniff their faces, then staring at me, looking confused and concerned as much as dogs can anyways. James was the older of the two dogs, a black-coated mutt with German Shepherd dominant traits. James was probably in the last year of his life now, only 11 years old, but several incidents involving consuming tennis balls meant that time was catching up with him. Still, even in his senior year, he still had some spryness to him. Wolf, on the other hand, was only a year and a half younger than James. He still had a lot of vigor to her, though choosing to chase and antagonize the tripping adult children where James instead came and rested his head on my lap for a nap. She was husky dominant with an almost a glowing golden coat of fur, super sweet with a family and people she came to accept as friends. A lot of the time though, Wolf was kind of a bitch. I watched her chase a, chase a freaked out Grace out of the clearing and up a tree, pacing herself so that she was always just a foot behind Grace at the most. After Grace scampered up the tree, screaming, Wolf strutted back with what resembled a smile on her fluffy face. Everything was normal that day for a while. Eventually, the three state started to come down and joined me in making a fire. I had avoided eating too many shrooms, so they never affected me too much. Too much. We passed around some rum. The boys poor, poorly attempted to sing some shitty folk punk songs 
James took a nap by the fire with us while Wolf ran off to chase rabbits. It was a good time. Things only took a turn that night when we realized that Grace was missing. How long has she been gone now? She just went to take a piss, right? Stephen asked. I think so. I don't remember, bro. My brain's all fuzzy. Kelly, you should go take a look. She's... See if she's alright. My brother said, lying on the ground. I took one last drag off of my, my cigarette before tossing it into the fire, sitting up to make my way towards the forest's edge. Grace! Hey, Grace, you there? I called out her name as I approached the thick woods. The sunlight hadn't faded yet, but through the trees, the forest already looked black as night. I stopped at the edge of the tree line. The woods felt ominous somehow, even though I knew we had very little to be concerned about when it came to White Hills. I couldn't help but feel scared at the prospect of going in. Grace, you there? I called your name again. Through the dense bush, I swear I could hear something, like a soft high-pitched chattering, just loud enough for me to pick up. It didn't sound like Grace, though. Maybe those mushrooms were affecting me more than I thought. I sighed, preparing myself to enter the forest to find my lost and very high friend. Before I moved through, I felt a nudge at my leg. James stood at my side. He looked up at me with a worried look on his face. The old, dark, old dog started to whine at me. I knelt down to, to pet his forehead. James had become so much more worrisome in his old age. Me and him slowly made our way back to the fire. Wherever Grace had ended up, I'm sure she was fine. Where is she? Stephen asked as I approached. Probably just off in the woods somewhere, maybe trying to find a leaf to wipe her ass. <laughs> I responded. You don't find her, though. You didn't find her, though. Shouldn't we go look? She's been gone for a while, I think. Oh, relax. Nothing is going to happen to her out here. I said, sitting myself back down. No, Stephen's right, said Johnny, sitting up. If she wandered out there, it could be really hard for her to find her way back. Mushrooms tend to make every... every route looked the same. We should try to go find her. So the three of us each grabbed a flashlight and headed for the trees. We'll follow the trail for now. Better we don't get lost too, my brother said. And with that, the three of us started our way down the dark path into the white hills. We took turns yelling her name, the two dogs begrudgingly following behind us. We never heard Grace, but the woods weren't exactly quiet. Strange things come out at night there. There always seems to be noises in the dark that you never hear during the day. Still, we were in Newfoundland. There's no animals out here that, exact, that actually pose any threat to us. It was unsettling nonetheless, though. We were maybe five minutes in when I heard... The chanting again, just faint enough to pick up, but not loud enough to make out a word. My brother didn't seem to notice. He moved through the pines almost automatically, never taking his eyes off the trail in front of us. 
Steven seemed on edge, though. He tried not to show it. Of uh, oh, Sorry. <laughs> he, he tried not to show it off, of course, but the awkward glances into the woods gave him away. She couldn't have gone this far, could she? Steven asked. I don't think so. Johnny, let's just turn back. I bet she's probably back at the camp now wondering where we are, I said. Johnny stopped as he seemed to com contemplate for a moment before nodding his head. You're right. If she got this turned around, we probably won't find her anyway. We turned to leave. The chanting from beyond the wall of trees continued to sound. I did my best to ignore it. This is what I get for taking mushrooms. We continued to call Grace's name on our way back, but no response came. The way back felt longer somehow. I almost like, almost like we'd been heading back for twice as long as we'd taken going in. When we turned the next corner, I knew something was wrong. I stopped the group. Guys, this isn't right. I recognize this part of the trail, but it's not our way back, I said. What? Did we get turned around somehow? I don't remember seeing a fork, asked Stephen. Are you sure this isn't the way, Kelly? I don't remember a fork either. Sometimes the mushrooms can make it hard to tell. I didn't even eat that many of them. I guess I have just been unaware. Still, I felt like it had been we had been walking for way too long. We should have been back to our camp by now. Whatever, let's just keep walking, I guess, I said to the two. The chanting grew just faintly, faintly louder. Instead of the hushed murmurs I could hear before, it now sounded much closer to giggling. Hey guys, do you hear something? Stephen said, looking anxiously into the woods. Yeah, man. It's just the shrooms, bro. I don't think about I don't don't think about it too much, Johnny said, dismissively to Stephen. I was hearing it too though. I knew he had to be talking about the same thing I was about to interject when a voice interrupted. Guys, hey guys! Are you there? Hello? It was Grace. Grace! Hey, where have you We're we're just looking for you, Johnny said, turning to us with a smile. I told you we were heading the right way. Johnny, where are you? Everything looks the same out here. Grace yelled again from somewhere in the pines. Just hang on, we'll come get you, my brother said before taking off into the woods. Me and Stephen rushed after them. The dogs started to whine as we made our way off the path, but I coaxed them to come along. Johnny continued to yell after Grace. We were getting closer. I could see a light up ahead. Her flashlight, I think. Johnny continued to move forward, then he stopped. Me and Stephen approached behind him. Johnny was standing standing there, staring at something. The light em emanating, emanating from behind this figure. Guys, I think the shrooms are really hitting me hard, he said in a dazed voice. I moved around, expecting to finally see Grace. Instead, I saw what Johnny was staring at. A small ball of light floating about a foot away from his face. 
Johnny stared at it, mesmerized. The forest slowly erupted into laughter. Suddenly, there was dozens of them. These little balls of light in every direction we looked. Guys, guys, please help, I'm scared. Grace's voice seemed to come in from them all. It sounded just like her, alone and terrified. Hang on, Grace, we're coming. My brother said, seemingly oblivious to what was happening around us. Stephen ran to me and placed his hand over my mouth. He looked more frightened than I'd ever seen him before. Don't talk to them, he hushed. Don't even acknowledge them. I nodded slowly with his hand still over my mouth. He removed it and looked around at the glowing orbs. We need to leave now, he said in an urgent whisper. I turned around to grab Johnny, but he was already gone. Breathing heavily, I looked behind me, trying to pinpoint the direction we came in. But the forest all looked the same. It was as if the mushrooms had suddenly peaked every possible direction was a perfect replicating mirrored image like looking into an endless kaleidoscope of trees laughter from the things was booming now more and more of them seemed to be popping up shining lights of several different colors roof i heard james grunt him and wolf both started at me and ears were back heads and tails down Slowly, they began walking off towards something, stopping to look back at us hes hesitantly. Me and Stephen followed. Slowly, the high-pitched laughter of the things started to fade off. The surrounding world began to revert to a more recognizable state. Then, we were back on the trail. I turned to Stephen. What the hell was that? I cried out, only to be shushed by him. Don't talk about them, not now, he said, eyeing the woods. The chanting carried on, just barely audible again. Wolf let out a howl before hiding between my legs. Okay, okay, let's just, let's just get the fuck out of here, I said. We began to make our way again, choosing instead to backtrack the way we came. See if we had actually swapped paths by mistake. Instead, we came to a wooden bridge with a small stream running underneath, a part of the trail I still knew, but one that was supposed to be all the way on the other side of White Hills. What the hell is going on, I hissed. I don't know, Stephen said, flabbergasted. I don't think they were real. I don't know. Well, 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 came a new voice, interrupting Stephen. Some more young punks managed to piss off the, the wee folk. This is turning into quite the interesting night. On the bridge's rail now sat a man. It was a hiker that had spotted us before. I was sure of it. Me and Steven slowly backed away from him, not saying a word. Oh please, you don't have to be so antisocial. I'm not one of them here said the man pulling what looked like an old iron bell out of his coat. He rung it several times. It clanked in an awful sound. They can't stand it, you know. At least 
you should know that local boy. Don't know about your fam the familiar. Don't know about your familiar familiarity with them girls. He said, nodding to us. I exclude to him. I began to notice that how odd-looking he was. All his clothes seemed to be inside out. I had noticed that when I saw him on the trail before, he also sported a large sun hat, which seemed somewhat out of place. The dogs hesitantly approached the man, stopping at, a, at occasion to lower their head. Eventually, they approached him and sniffed at the outstretched hand he offered them. They both looked back to me, still looking anxious, but their ears perked up. You are lucky to have these beasts with you. It might just be what saves you, he said to me, lowering his head and giving me a friendly but off-putting grin. One that reminded me of somewhat more troubled brother Sawyer. Who are you? I asked, hoping I hadn't just messed up somehow. The man let out a chuckle. Why, just a travel traveler like yourselves, though one with much more experience. You two really shouldn't be here. He grinned to us again, exposing the teeth to one side of his mouth. You aren't exactly in White Hills anymore, children. Not as you know it, anyways. Where are we then? I asked. Some place in between theirs and yours. Don't worry now, children. You can still find your way out. They won't make it easy for you, though, he said, still with that someone, somewhat menacing tone. Who's they? And what are... I was about to ask, but Stephen quickly shushed me. The man on the bridge let out a loud cackle. Smart boy, but not smart enough to stay out of here. Well, I best be on my way. Good luck to the both of you. Wait, I yelled. Can you help us? Can you help us find the way out? And spoil all the fun? The man laughed. Tell you what, girl. I don't... I won't chaperone you through this place like a little guide. Your beasts here, though, they will know how to find their way. I'll tell you that much. He turned towards James. Show them the way out, old man, he said. But wait. I interjected again. My brother and my friends are both out there. Is there any way we can find him? Please, I don't want to lose Johnny, the man smirked. Sure, you can try to get them back, but while they have you here, though, so close to having you all the way, find your way first, if you make it. Then maybe I can help you make a deal with them. It's been too long since I've been part of anything interesting. The man let loose another chuckle. I turned to Stephen. He looked back at me with an equal amount of terror and confusion in his eyes. I turned back to the man, but he is gone. Vanished into the night. James began moving towards us. Away from the bridge, he trotted past us and began moving in the direction we had come from, glancing back to us. We followed him into the night. The stars are bright out there. There's no moon that I can see, though. The night sky seems to glow just a bit brighter 
than it should. But still nearly black as the night, I know. I can still hear them chanting, giggling at us from the forest. Sometimes I think I can even see one of the these little balls of light just peeking out. I tried using my phone. Calls won't go out. I don't think anything would work. But when I noticed the Reddit app, Snoo looks different, to say the, say the least. Almost like he's glaring at me hungrily. Opening the app took me directly to here. I guess those things want to get a message out. I'll update this when I get the chance, but for now, I better follow James. The things are starting to get louder. So, <laughs> he found the Reddit app on his phone, and that led him to here to write this story. How interesting is that? Um, and it's entitled Sawyer's Hunting Lodge. Um, that's the account that wrote in to this story. Um, and I don't know really what to make of this. Um, it's pretty wild, you know, they did shrooms, they did drugs, and then they get stuck in the woods, and they don't know their way back. So, it pretty much seems to me like they shouldn't have been doing shrooms in the first place. But, um, you know, you gotta experiment, you gotta have some fun with that kind of stuff, so, uh, why not, you know. And sorry, the wording was kind of weird, so, if there's some parts in the story that were just kind of questionable... Um, let me know, <laughs> um, and I can clarify some of this, because there were some grammatical errors in this, but, you know, besides that, it was a really well-written story, for sure, um, and I'm interested to see if they made it out alive, I don't think there's a part two to this, but I will do a follow-up um, story if I definitely, definitely, if I find this, I'm trying to figure out when this was written. Oh, this was 10 days ago. Okay. Um, so we'll see if there's a second part, I will definitely read it to you guys and see if he gets out of the forest alive. And cause there's a lot of questions, you know, like where did, um, where did their buddies go that were just, that disappeared? You know what happened? Um, so, a lot of questions, and this is a good time to um, go in, go ahead and email um, us to unexpectedhauntings seven three nine at gmail gmail dot com. Excuse me, and um, write in those questions. Let us know, and we'll try to answer them the best we can. Um, and so. With that being said, we're going to go into the Chesterfield Manor on Halloween. Um, it's a very menacing story. Um, a story of basically them going to a manor and it's um, trick-or-treating. 
So it's kind of neat. Um, I haven't really read through this myself fully. So that's what I normally do on this podcast. I like to go ahead and just read it fresh. And um, so that way I get the same experience y'all do. And it's just fresh off of my mind. So it's great. So here we go, guys. I'm just going to call this story the Chesterfield Manor on Halloween. Here we go, guys. Enjoy. They called us the Boo Crew. We were a group of 20-somethings who'd been trick-or-treating together since the days of watching Power Rangers in our underwear. Some people thought it was strange, but many more saw us as a Halloween tradition. It doesn't take much in a small town. Unfortunately, our time as a group was coming to an end. Ryan and Connor, the twins, had enlisted in the Navy and were due to ship out in December. Harrison, our unofficial leader, was heading to Columbia to teach English in a few weeks. Then, there was me, stuck working at my dad's garage and not going anywhere. All right, boys, listen up, Harrison cheerfully barked, dressed as a party monkey. I know this may be our last Halloween together for some time, and because of that, I planned something special for this evening. Harrison looked at us knowingly, rubbing his hands together in anticipation. His bag of candy lay at his feet. Well, what are you waiting for? A round of applause? Tell us already, Connor joked. What's the one place we've always talked about going but never had the balls or the know-how? The twins' smiled widened while I shifted uncomfortably. That's right, I found a way to get into Mr. Chesterfield's house. Pumping their fists into the air, Connor and Ryan downed their beers joyfully. I feigned excitement mustering a weak grin. That's just the beginning, too. I have so much craziness planned for us tonight, but I'll keep you all in suspense for now. So, gentlemen, please follow me. Harrison waved his hand and began marching confidently down a sleepy suburban street like the psychopaths we were when it came to Harrison, at least. We all followed. I was deathly quiet as we walked, but the other, others didn't seem to notice. Shyness was my most prevalent quality, so it wasn't necessarily unusual. I'd also been moody and grouchy since I'd heard the news that they were leaving, so the group may not have cared. What they didn't know was that I wasn't sad. I was terrified. Chesterfield Manor may have been explored to most sorry must have been unexplored to most but I've been there many times before I lagged behind as a group arrived at the infamous haunted mansion my heart pounding as my my previous encounters with the house came to the forefront of my brain I should have warned them but I couldn't it was too gruesome too horrific and honestly They'd never believe me. I watched in silence as their nervous anticipation turned to 
a manic glee at the sight of the most modest three-story home. It was ordinary, ordinary, boring even, but the suburban facade did nothing to diminish my memories of the nightmares that hid behind that wretched, solid oak door. Our fearless leader waltzed up to the porch steps, turning to look back at us with a wild cheek splitting grin. The twins accepted the unspoken invitation and eagerly followed. I wearily trudged up behind them, nervously wringing my hands as Harrison made a grand gesture of pulling the lock-picking kit from his pocket. He knelt down, pulling out two of the tools from the case, and got to work. As he focused, I let my eyes wander to the barred windows and caged skeletons that hung idly from narrow ledges. Those skeletons did not need to reside in the closet. They were out in the open. With every twist and turn of the lock, an invisible hand wrenched its way into my gut, leaving me gasping for air. Finally, just as the last breath of air left my lungs, the door swung open with an ominous creak. Harrison and the twins exhaled expletive, expletives, I can't, (laughs) expletives of celebration and proceeded to march into the house, dragging me along despite my foul mood. I had half convinced myself that everything would be alright, but as soon as I crossed the threshold, the door swung short with a bang, causing the twins to jump and then giggle. Colin, don't do that, they scolded playfully, but their laughter subsided when they saw the expression on my face. I didn't. I gulped nervously, cracking my knuckles to soothe some of the unrest that lingered in the dull, stagnant air. Connor and Ryan looked at me, and then each other, then back at me again and shrugged. Harrison wandered around the room, picking up various wilted keepsakes that adorned the dusty shelves. A crash echoed through the room as the lamp that stood by the door was slammed into the ground by an unseen force. My mind sank into the murky waters of fear as the ghostly apparition seeped through the pores of the wall. Stop fucking around, Colin, Harrison spat, aiming his withering glare in my direction. I stared back in horror as the dark shadow behind him stretched out and loomed over his head. That wasn't me, I said nervously. I think maybe we should get out of here, guys. The dark form towered over him, absorbing all the light in the room. I saw it was the silhouette of a man who was not visibly there to cast it. To my horror, the thing's The thing's jaws opened wide, and long teeth became visible. The canines extended outward. No! I screamed as Harrison was about to say something nasty back to me. The shadow form looked stunned for a second. Its shadow teeth about to sink into Harrison's neck. Then it scuttled away and out of the room with stunning quickness. Good, said Harrison. I'm glad you're not going to get with the program. He walked over to me and put his arm around my shoulder, oblivious to what had just happened. Come on, man, he said quiet, quietly, quietly, cons- conspiritually. Sorry, this is extremely worded weird. Cons- conspiritually. 
this is it. Last time out. We gotta make it something special, right? He winked at me knowingly. He started walking ahead of us, leading us deeper into the darkness of the manor. Ryan and Connor were following behind us at a distance. They kept stopping to examine the haunted artifacts which decorated the place. Among these items, a skull that appeared far too large to be from any human, or far too human to be from anything that large. A giant dead head moth enclosed in a glass case that seemed not to need oxygen for some reason, since it was clearly still alive and thriving, and paintings of medieval rulers and dark priests whose eyes seemed to follow us as we walked through the echoing halls. Come on guys, keep it up, I whisper yelling at yelling at the twins. They hurried up and caught up with me, but Harrison was still far ahead of us. His backpack, heavy and full of supplies, rattled ominously as he picked up speed. What's up with Harrison? Ryan asked. He's acting super weird tonight, right? Or is it just me? Connor immediately backed up as always. Yeah, he's acting a bit different, for sure. I'd like to think he's just upset about us all being apart pretty soon, but I think it's more than that. I don't think he ever got over what happened last month. I stopped in my tracks and grabbed Connor by his red, black, striped Freddy Krueger shirt. We're not going to talk about that, remember? That was the deal. We don't know. We don't talk about it. It never fucking happened, okay? Shit. Alright. Sorry. It just slipped out, okay? I let him go and kept moving along. Ryan ran to catch up with me, and he put his hand on my shoulder. I knocked it away as I spun around, and that was when I saw him. You, you again, he whispers hoarsely. All the air immediately went out of the, my lungs as if punched right in the stomach. Blood rushed to my ears, and suddenly I could hear nothing but the building crescendo of pure fear, pounding out, of, pounding out with every part of my being. Staring intently into his horrifying face, if you can call it a face, with bits of various animal flesh hanging off nastily, ghastly bones. My eyes gazed into his wild ones, wanting to scream but silently suffocating instead. His cracked lips raised in amusement as he continued. You're back, but this time... Hey, hey! You good man? A hand shook me back to my senses. I glanced around to see the twins surrounding me, faces lined with worry. He was gone. Yo, what happened? You just turned around and fell to the floor, and then started muttering some weird shit. Connor's face was wretched with concern. Ryan butted in. But don't freak out, bro. We're here for you. Always have, always will. We have to leave now, I demanded. The twins... The twins gave me confused looks while Harrison slowly paced around us. No, no, none of us are going anywhere, Harrison laughed as his thin lips twisted into a deranged grin, one I'd seen many times in my nightmares. His eyes darkened, transforming into horrid black ovals, 
What the crap is going on? Ryan explained, shifting from me to Harrison. You and Connor can get out of here. I'll deal with Harrison, I said, not daring to look away from him. What? We can't just leave you here, Connor said. Harrison, man, what's... His words were cut short by Harrison's laughter. So loud it shook the walls, sending chips of old paint raining down on us. Ryan and Connor fell to their knees, hands covering their ears. Start talking, Colin, Ryan shouted over the, over the noise. What the hell is happening to him? Harrison laughed louder, the voice coming from his lips, clearly not his own. That's not Harrison, I shouted. Then who the crap is it? Ryan yelled, sweat glistening from his face. Mr. Chesterfield, my voice wet wavered. The manacle laugh abruptly topped, plunging the house in deathly silence. Harrison glared down at us. You surprised me, boy. I must admit, I didn't have faith that you'd return, Mr. Chesterfield roared. You didn't give us much choice, I said, the, through gritted teeth. He smiled again, as so wide his lips split, sending drops of blood dribbling down Harrison's chin. What the hell is going on? Ryan trembled, tears streaming down his cheeks. Harrison and I came here one Halloween years ago. We were dumb kids. Shame tore through me. We didn't know this place what this place was. I rubbed my temples a migraine forming from the pressure in the room. We got trapped. Every door led to another dead end. We saw things. We just wanted to leave, but he found us. I motioned to Harrison. We eventually got out, but Harrison was different. He started having nightmares, started seeing things when he was awake. He was hearing voices telling him to do awful things. I let my voice trail off, remembering it had been hell watching my best friend waste away because someone else become someone else. He started forgetting where he'd been, things he'd done. The last month after his father's suicide, he started to get worse, I said, tears stinging my eyes. He told me he knew his dad hadn't killed himself, that he knew Mr. Chesterfield had used his body to kill his own father, that he'd been allowed to see it happen. That's when we knew we'd never really gotten away from this place. It would, it would use Harrison again. Maybe me too. So Harrison's possession was by an old man? Connor asked, studying Harrison carefully. And you both thought coming back to this place would be the best way to handle that? We had no choice, I said. Mr. Chesterfield would, wouldn't let us go. Not without a deal. You're not making any sense, man, Ryan retorted. What deal? Harrison began to rise off the floor, his feet hovering just inches above it. The pressure in the storm started to rise until it was almost unbearable. I could feel it in my lungs, a tightness, as if I was slowly drowning. Oh shit, Connor muttered, staring wide-eyed at Harrison. Harrison opened his mouth, letting a vicious black liquid leak from it filling the room with a, with a smell like dead leaves and deep earth. Ryan and Connor scrambled for the door, but found it gone. 
it was now just a small wall. I wanted to close my eyes, but I couldn't look away. My punishment, perhaps. I like to say that he had it a quick death, but Ryan and Connor didn't suffer. But their screams of agony lingered for what felt like hours. And when they finally stopped, their skin lay in piles on the floor. Their skinless corpses lay motionless at Harrison's feet. Their eyes locked on mine, even in death. I could see the blame on them. Harrison turned his head toward me, that smile still on his face, smeared with Ryan and Connor's blood. You honored your promise. You can go, Harrison said. Then his body fell to the floor with a thud. His eyes fluttered open, and he struggled to sit. Colin, he said. I hurried to his side, pulling him to his feet. I'm here. Let's get out of here, I said. He looked up at me, his eyes blue once again. Is it over, he asked. I nodded, and we both cried as we found our way back to the truck. We rode home in silence, neither of us wanting to speak. Harrison cut his head pretty bad during the fall, but he decided not to go to the hospital. He didn't need anyone asking any questions. It took a long time, but our friendship eventually got to the point that it didn't feel strained. Harrison asked me once if I thought it was all worth it, if I thought Ryan and Connor ever left that house, if their souls ever made it out. I did the only thing I could. I lied. I told him that we didn't have a choice, that I thought they were free. He nodded, but I didn't think he believed me. He only hopes. But I know, because last week I drove by Chesterfield Manor and saw Mr. Chesterfield standing in the window as if he were waiting for me, as if he knew I'd be back. And on either side of him stood two skinless bodies glaring down at me, their eyes burning with betrayal. So, what a crazy story. I know that this was a Halloween story, and Halloween's already over. But, um, I thought that this was a tale that needed to be told. Um, It was very creepy, very gruesome. But, I thought it was a pretty wild tale, for sure. Of course, this... um, I'm not sure if Chesterfield Manor is real, so I have to look into that. I don't know if it's based on a true story. I just loved the story in its entirety. Um, and, you know, I just, I don't know, I just I just started to like it because it plays with your head for a good bit. Um, and it makes you wonder, okay, yeah, one of them was actually possessed by the villain in the story. And it was pretty wild that they had to sacrifice their friends for their freedom. But, um, I don't know. Um, it was a super, super wild story. If you want to hear more stories like this, let me know and, um, I'll look into that. But, um, sorry guys, I am just full of air. I don't know what is going on. 
Um, but thank you guys so much for joining um, joining today's episode. And I hope that you guys enjoyed it because uh, we're back in the swing of things. No more Halloween specials or anything. So uh, let me know what you guys want to be done that's different. I'm always down for new and different things. Um, always hit that subscribe button on Spotify uh, or my bad, Apple Podcast <laughs> and Spotify. We're on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Also, I believe we're still on Sirius XM and just pretty much, I guess, any streaming software you can think of that runs podcast. We're there. Uh, Unexpected Hauntings. So go check us out. Um, on And we've got all the episodes there. It's going to be great. Um, so... Yeah, go check us out. Um, give us some love. Write us a review. Let us know what you guys think about this podcast. And we'd love to hear from you. So um, I guess that'll be it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for stopping by. And uh, we always love you guys for stopping by and letting us know how each episode has been. It's great just getting some feedback. So hope that you guys have a great night or day whenever you guys are listening to this. And we hope to hear from you guys later. Thanks, guys, and have a great night.